0: don't just long that God take away the circumstance long that through the circumstance your worship ignites that's hope as he does something amazing and healing in your life amen man well it's great to be with you we are in a series called hope that heals hope that heals we want to welcome you to summit point online as we're digging into what it means to hope in our living God and each step of each day, we are facing things of all different sorts and styles. And lately, it's literally changed almost every day. And, and as we've wrestled through these different struggles, there are often different feelings that well up, different struggles that well up. And, uh, and so as we walk through this series, we're going to be addressing those, kind of each one getting its own day. And today we're looking at what it is to feel weak. What it is to feel weakness, like I, I've been battling this, I've been struggling with this, I've been going after this, and, and God, I'm just starting to lose some of the fight, I'm losing some of the energy, and Lord, what do I do? And man, may we find hope in the God who strengthens, hope in the God who brings strength. So do me a favor, turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 21. Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 21, as we learn to find hope in the one who brings an unbelievable supernatural strength, our living God. Point number one, it says, see your God as king over all, as supreme creator. See your God as king overall and supreme creator. May we grasp his vastness, his greatness, his awesomeness, his glory, and may we look to him and honestly him alone for our hope. Start out in verse 21 here of Isaiah 40. It says, Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And We'll just hold right there. He starts out, Do you not know? Do you not hear? Like, amen, we're talking about truth now. This is some truth. Have you grasped it? Then he says, has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? One thing we need to understand as we read Old Testament literature is you're often going to see these repeating elements. That's Hebrew poetry. It puts either two statements together or sometimes three. And these parallelisms end up making a statement poetically about our God. And the first part, do you not know? Do you not hear? Right? This is truth about ready to come out. That's what he's saying with the two parallelisms. And then, has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Another parallelism saying, grasp this. From the beginning of time, our God has been this way. From the beginnings of the creation, as he spoke it into existence, this is what is true. Lean on your God, who is eternity past to eternity future unique. And lean on your God who hasn't changed ever in that time period. And these are the truths from the foundations of the earth. It says, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth. God Almighty has the authority and the power. That's what it means to sit above. It means that this all rules by him and sits under him. He's in charge. He is sovereign over all. And here's one thing I love. This goes way back to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And honestly, the thought towards how the earth was shaped was a little bit mysterious. They weren't quite clear. And they often talked about the corners of the earth. They figured there must be an end somewhere. We just haven't seen it. But scripture, when it's recorded here, says the circle of the earth. God revealing out that in this creation that he has made, he's fully aware the earth is round. And uh, the scientific truth recorded thousands of years ago. Amazing truth here. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. God sitting over, yes, this planet. God sitting over all of creation. It says, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Well, there's another truth uh, that we maybe don't like to hear so much. The little side of us. The, the smallness of us. All of us as humanity, all of us as living creatures on this earth, like grasshoppers, small, everybody just say small. That's you and me, small. Don't miss the uptake. Everybody say small. We see it that way. Our God is massive and we are tiny. And Lord God, we're looking to you. Speaking of the same God, it says, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. He stretches out the skies like a curtain. He's taking this fabric that's got the stars in it. It's got the moon. It's got the sun. He stretches that out over and around the globe. He's basically, this is a creative way of saying, he's the almighty creator of everything. Heavens and earth. And God doing this amazing work around us and in our presence. May we grasp that he is stretching out the heavens, that he's spreading them out like a tent to dwell in. This is our abode, what God is creating. He says, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Like, let's make sure we grasp the power and the almighty sovereignty of God. Let's make sure we understand just how huge he is. Every king sits under him. He alone is king of kings and lord of lords. When he wants it, he calls it in and it is done. God working with all the kings. It says in scripture that he sets up kings and he deposes them. He puts these things in place and God's hand is on it all. And when he has gotten accomplished what he wants accomplished with rulers, whether it be emperors of nations, kings, of other nations, presidents in this nation, governors and mayors and whoever it is, they all sit under our God. He sets them up. He puts them in place. He has them rule over all. And then he takes that down when he so sees fit. We all sit under his leadership. It says... Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has there uh, basically been stem taken root in the earth. Scarcely, 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 right? Three times over. So this is a three-part parallelism. He's like, let me just make it clear: our lives are short. Our responsibilities, man, they're called in for a moment in time, and then that's the end of it. But God sits over it all for all of eternity. Praise God. May we grasp our living God. Remember, as we're struggling with our weakness, part of the hope that we have is in the greatness of our king and his hand on it all. It says, when he blows on them, they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. Literally, he's saying they're they're like the grass or the wheat. Have you ever walked along where you've seen some grass, the seed on top of it, and you can just kind of grab and you pull it up and you get some of that seed in your hand, or maybe it's wheat or whatever, hey, and as you grab and pull, you get some of that seed, and you open it up, and you just go, and it just blows up into the air and disappears away. Again, poetically saying, that's how big our God is. He just swoops down, picks up, and if he so desires, and all authority that we know physically in this world is managed. That's our God. Him having the ability, the power, the right, and the authority. It says, To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? God's like, Seriously, who are you looking to as your hope beyond me? There's no one bigger, there's no one more powerful, there's no one with more authority, there's no one with more compassion. There's no one with more ability. There's no one who can do what I can do. Man, may we set down our idols and may we pick up our worship of the one and only God. The God who has a vastness like no other. God's like, what little G God are you looking to that could possibly fulfill? This isn't some accusation. This isn't some throwdown. This is God saying with all the tenderness in the world, please, Come to me. I am here and I am ready to care for you and I've got all the authority in the world. Don't look around for some little G God. Don't look around for some idol. May God get all the glory. And uh, he says, whom will you compare me to that I should be like them? There's no one like our God. Everybody say no one. There is no one like our God. He says, lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He's like, lift up your eyes and see. What is he asking us to see? He's asking us to see the skies during the daytime, the sunlight, the clouds, the glory of the light blasting through. He's asking for us at night as we look up to see the stars, just this tapestry of stars, these bright beaming white lights, blasting light through this darkness, penetrating. He's like, look up and see that. Who created that? The answer is, well, God and God alone created that. right? We serve a big God. I'll say it this way. The solution to who created that, it is big God, not big bang. It is not some moment of this world's physical thing somehow creating this physical glory. No, it is an unbelievable, massive God over it all who speaks with authority and by his presence sustains it as it is. He's like, look at this tapestry of stars and be blown away. Remember, you're worshiping the one who speaks that into existence and holds it in its place. He says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. Let that give you just a little understanding of who your God is. As he speaks the stars into existence, he chooses to name each of them and he knows them by the hundreds of millions or billions or whatever the appropriate number would be, trillions, God knows. God knows the detail of, God sustains the massiveness with. That's the God we're worshiping. So, in the smallness of my grasshopper life and the moments of pain that are washing on my shore, my God is bigger than it all and he is my hope. And all of God's people said, he's like, make sure you know who this God is and worship him with all you have. He says, by the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. God knows exactly what he's doing. He never makes a mistake. His power is beyond all power. God is all powerful. God knows all. He cares with all he's got. He is so worth." Trusting, put your life, put your pain into the vast, almighty hands of your God who cares for you. That's the battle cry. See your God for all that he is. You know, it's so easy for us to be able to hear some facts or see some things and not quite envision it properly. There was a guy who actually was planning on a trip, a vacation. He wanted to go out west. He was looking at going to see the Grand Canyon. He had heard good things about it. In fact, he had looked at some pictures and seen some things. He had talked to people who had been there. And and in his mind, he was like, yeah, that would be cool. Let's go see the Grand Canyon. And as he went out on this journey to go see it, he got to the edge of the Grand Canyon. First night, it was sunset. And as the sun was setting, he stood up to the edge and it took his breath away looked something like this this massive glorious picture and you can see the sunlight blasting through the clouds you can see the reds and the oranges and the yellows all over the place he looked down into the depths of the canyon he could hear the water running and from left to right everywhere he looked it was massive and it was stunningly beautiful as he looked on at this image, there's just nothing like actually being enveloped in the whole of it. I mean, I turn around now, and if I can get close enough, I feel almost like I'm in it there, right? To see all the way left, all the way right, and it's all that you see. And he was stunned with something that was created by our living God, right? Right? And may we, as we take a look at this world, may we see our God. May we stand on the cliff's edge and look from left to right, looking for all that our God is and does. May we take in his vastness. May we take in his beauty. May we take in his authority, his power, his glory. May he blow us away with who he is and see your God. See your creator God and worship him with all you've got. There is hope, there is healing in his almighty hand. And all of God's people said, so what struggle are you going through? And what heartache are you wrestling with? Where do you feel a weakness washing up and you're not sure you can battle another day? Before you become the expert of the problem, make sure you become an expert of your problem solver. May you know your God with the depth and the breadth and the width, with the beauty and the glory and the power and the care that he enters into your life with. Worship your king and may that hope begin to bring some healing. And all of God's people said, amen man. Amen. All right. That's the first point. Make sure you see your God. And second point, rely on your God's amazing provision for supernatural strength. Rely on your God's amazing provision for supernatural strength. Man, it's not just about seeing God who he is and then walking away. It's about beginning to put your trust in him, your reliance on him, your hope in him that God might do an amazing work. May we lean on him. It says here, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? God talking now to the nation of Israel, and he's like, Why are you saying these words? Here's another way to say it. Do you realize what you're saying isn't true? God is about ready to come in and address some hurts and some thought that they're having, and he wants to take some time with them in the middle of their hurt. He says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? my way is hidden from the lord and my right is disregarded by my god my way is hidden my right is disregarded and uh, you know it hurts when our rights are stepped on honestly it's crushing when our rights are stepped on you know that's a lot of what's been going on in this last week week and a half right? As you look across this nation and the unrest that's been taking place, it is about rights being stepped on. It's about inequalities. It's about hurts that are more than just an incident, but a long-standing hurt. And there's been a lot of trying to process that right. When rights are stepped on, we long to battle and lean in on it. And can you imagine how much more when you think it's actually your God stepping on your rights? That's what Israel was saying, Why are you disregarding my rights, oh my God? Right, their declaration was, God, you're hurting me. God, you're stepping on me. Now God's gonna have an answer for it and hang on, he's gonna be helping them gently through the, that's not true, I'm right here with you. Just in the waiting, no, I'm doing an amazing work with you, hang on. And we're gonna see that in just a moment as God so gently and tenderly works with them. But men, when rights are stepped on, It's a big deal and it needs to be addressed god doesn't just walk away from the conversation god has that conversation with and begins to walk through with them you know rights being stepped on are a huge deal and uh many of us trying to process through this past week and and it's not that the problem has only existed for a week it's that the hurts have been going on for a long time And uh, many, 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 many years, many decades, even centuries for some, and, and, and the hurts and the heartaches in it. So how do we process the struggle of racism and the rights being stepped on, the inequality, the injustice of it? How do we process that biblically and work with those who are hurting? How do we do that? So I'm just going to bring some thoughts here. And in fact, these thoughts I actually put together in a document we sent out to the church. You should have gotten an email with that in it. But I'm just going to summarize real quickly some of what that document says, all right? So two sets of four, right? Two sets of four. The first is theological tent poles. We're going to talk about four theological tent poles. And then we're going to talk about four sociological tent poles. We're not going to spend as much time on that, but four sociological tent poles, all right? Why tent poles? Well, honestly, because... The depth and the complexity of this problem is massive. And there's no way you could summarize a couple of statements to cover the whole of the problem. So here's the deal we're going to put some tent poles in place. These things are biblically solidly true, these tent poles. And then the job is to stretch a fabric over them that begins to make a tent. That fabric you're stretching over, that's you coming to conclusions about your position and your thought on this whole topic. Here's the catch don't ever let a tent pole move, don't ever let it collapse in. Have you ever been putting a tent up, and as you're starting to put the fabric up, one of the poles just collapses in and everything starts falling down? The tent isn't anything what it should be. Don't build that. Keep your tent poles rock solid. right and here's some tent poles to keep rock solid as we walk through trying to make sense of what's going on and trying to figure out really honestly god what are you calling me to do or be here that we might make an impact all right so some thoughts in the midst of rights being stepped on for racism here we go theological first point first poll love god is love not god is loving not sometimes god does stuff that's loving But always, God is love. Never is God doing or a part of things that aren't love. God is love. And he absolutely is moving as a God of love in this world. But it's more than that. 1 John 4, 7 says God is love. But it also says that we, if we know him, if we have that God in us, that our call is to be loving those around us. Yes, the brothers and sisters in the church, absolutely. The church should be on fire with love. But more than that, Loving our neighbor as ourself. Loving out into the community. We should be filled up with the love of our God and it should be spilling over into a love for those around us. And yes, for those who are hurting around us, love. And I'm telling you, there is no room for hate biblically. There's just no room. And trying to hate back at something to try to right an injustice never gets it done. We've got to anchor into love, set aside the hate, and we need to bring that love with tender compassion as we move. Love, that's the first poll. Second poll, and we have a purpose and a calling here as believers. We have a calling in this world. Second Corinthians 520 says that we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. It says we are to be ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation ambassadors you know what that means it means we represent jesus and we're sent into this world to bring a hope that lies in him our god is love and we have hope and we have forgiveness and we can come to him and our god transforms souls one degree at a time and we believe in that hope and we come with that hope we are ambassadors representing jesus with the ministry of reconciliation let that word settle reconciliation reconciliation is we're bringing people into the presence of our almighty God. Yes, spiritual reconciliation. And that absolutely begins to affect relationships around. Yes, even reconciliation amongst people. But please don't simplify this. Don't try to bring it down to just one thing, one piece. Right? This is so massive. It is about a spiritual reconciliation. It is about a human relational reconciliation. And it is about God being a part of all of that. May we grasp that we are ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation. Our job is to love and to care and to point to the God who is love and see what God has in the midst for us there. So the first poll is love. The second poll is our ministry of reconciliation as ambassadors. The third poll is kingdom focus. You know, Jesus says that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail Man, we are called to be able to build this kingdom for our God. That's what we're here for. Our purpose is to worship him and to celebrate him. May it be all about him. 1 John 1 verses 5 through 7, it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, man, we will have fellowship one with another. Man, this is a huge deal that our job, first and foremost, is to stand right next to our king. Man, we love our God, we pour into him, he pours into us and we cannot wait as we stand in the one who is the light to become a light into this hurting world. May we be that light, may we bring it with all we've got and may we be a church on fire. First Corinthians 14 talks about a church that is responding to our God and as we do, there are those hurting souls around who see that hope and they long to know where is that love coming from? Where is that light coming from? And as they lean in towards to hear the answer, they're being ushered into the presence of God Almighty to be able to hear the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Our hope is first and foremost in the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, man, may we carry that hope and never set it down with shame. May we stand there always and forever as we lean into a hurting world. So yes, love. Yes, ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation. right. And yes, absolutely on fire with being kingdom focused, but also making an impact into this world. And so how does that work? And I just wrote this down as the fourth one. Um, Righteousness, righteousness and justice. And those are awesome words. And those are words that absolutely exemplify the whole of who our God is. He is just, he is righteous. Please hear me. Injustice will not get righted with unrighteousness we will make things more just with righteousness james chapter 1 verse 20 says the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of god and please hear me man destruction and violence and tearing down and taking from somebody some new injustice doesn't change the old injustice to good and fix everything it just creates a new injustice Our job in trying to go after this is to be able to help understand that where there is injustice, we long to see everything just. Righteousness, restoring it all appropriately. That's God in this world. Man, make sure you grasp that. It's a huge deal. So as you're talking with someone and hearing from someone, there has to be a stand that's taken for justice and righteousness and making sure you stand clearly on that and you're not justifying any unrighteousness. That said, though, I want to be really careful because here's what usually happens. That usually sends people to two corners. And the one corner goes, I'm so about righteousness, and that was an unrighteous act right there, so I don't want to hear anything you're hurting about. I'm I'm not going to hear anymore what you're hurting about. We just dropped the love. We just dropped the whole ambassadorship in in trying to manage this reconciliation through uh, righteousness. We just walked away from reconciliation. On the other side, though, is the person saying, look, I'm hurting, so it doesn't matter how I do it. Unrighteousness is fine and it doesn't matter if I destroy and inequity is good for right now because it gets attention and we can't be there either. Biblically, we have to stand where we are in tension with I long to hear the hurt, but we will not fix through injustice and unrighteousness. We will establish our God as the center of it all and we long to see him glorified. And those are four killer tent poles. And if you can get those going in your life and make sure you keep those as you start stretching the fabric, it will give you a lot of answer on where to go theologically. The pull, the pull of love, the pole of purpose, calling, an ambassador of reconciliation, the pole of kingdom focus, and the pole of righteousness and justice. May God get all the glory. I'll just say it this way. Reconciliation with righteousness is where we are going. Reconciliation never happens with unrighteousness. It just makes a new injustice. That's not where we're going. May God get all the glory. That's the theological ten poles. Here's some sociological ones just real quickly, all right? Again, four sociological ten poles. Number one, and you gotta be willing to grieve You've got to be willing to hurt with those who hurt. There are many who have been wronged. The racism in this country is still existing. You have to hear that. And you may be like, dude, I've, I've seen way worse. And that doesn't mean that this doesn't need to change. We need to be willing to hear the hurt. We need to be able to cry alongside of. We've got to see the struggle that's different and be able to say, I understand that it's different than the experience I may be having in my daily life. And be willing to hurt with. May you be willing to weep with those who weep. And I know the first response is like, yeah, but I don't want to justify the unrighteous behavior. You you can't go there. We're going to call out the unrighteousness. That's fine. But we're still going to grieve and hurt with the wrong. We have to do both and in the midst. Grieve. And uh, not only grieving it, hurting with the underlying pain, the longstanding racism, our... uh, African American brothers or friends or neighbors or coworkers or man, hurt with them. And, and I know just being able to say, Lord God, I long to be able to make one statement you matter. And, that, and I care about you hurting in this, and I want to hear what I need to hear. Grieve it. And second, receive it. And there may be something that you literally need to say, I actually am guilty there. Maybe it's just that you've allowed it to go on because you didn't think it should be different. Maybe you weren't even noticing it was happening and just receive, Lord, make me more aware of something that I need to be speaking against and something that I maybe need to take a stand on that's happening right in my presence and I just was letting it go by. And receive that. Or maybe it's worse, maybe you actually grew up in a family that does teach and preach racism and putting another person down because of the color of their skin. Then speak against that. Lord, I receive this that I need to take that stand. I don't want racism in my heart. I'm telling you, allowing even a little corner of hate in the heart is absolutely tearing the soul apart. Don't do it. Lord, I'm ready to hear what I need to hear. Receive it. So there's grieve it. There's receive it. And then the third one. This is a big one. Name it. Be able to put a definition to what you're hearing. Be careful. All too often I've heard people talking about the feelings of frustration or struggle or heartache. And as we're hearing their hurt and as they're being uh, racially pushed against, we hear it all. But we couldn't put into words at the end of it even one sentence of what they were saying. And the problem with not being able to name it is the next step is redeem it. Is going out and being able to do something about it. But if you don't even know what the target is, how do you hit it? And make sure you spend a little time being able to put wording to what you're hearing. And I'm just telling you right now, naming it is going to be super complex. And and addressing it is going to be even harder. Why? Because the problem of racism in our country is largely systemic. It's built in. We're seeing things that are unfair. There is inequity in different ways. And there are struggles. Maybe I just can't understand as a white male. And I'm okay to hear that. I'm okay to hear that there's something I might need to lean in on and be ready to go after. I will not leave the pole of love and try to hate into a group to make it kind of get better. I will be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, absolutely, and calling reconciliation. I long to be kingdom focused and I absolutely will call out for justice and righteousness. And I long to hurt alongside you as I go after the journey. And that's where we need to be going with this. Be able to name it a little bit understanding what's going on and then the last one redeem it make sure you're investing into what it looks like to address it this is not a one day job this is not a one week a one month a one year job this is going to take years this may even take generations but praise god what this country was in the 1960s is not so much where we are now although there is still stuff out there i've talked to several black friends this week and the comment was i thank god that it's not the 1960s but i long for this to be done as well and, and that's the best we can say. May there be a continued healing. So how do we address the rights of, of us as individuals being treated as people? How do we address the racism? There's four theological tentpoles. There's four sociological poles. There's some work to stretch that fabric over. Make sense out of it. Love your God in the midst of it. And love your neighbor as yourself. May God get the glory. And all of God's people said. Amen, man. All right. Let's dig in a little deeper here now it says you're saying that i god am stepping on your rights i'm just telling you there's really only one person you can't say that to and that would be god all the rest of us will probably step on people's rights on a regular basis and need to learn and grow in it god is not in that position and so he has some things to say he says have you not known have you not heard Man, please hear the tenderness in this. God's like, come over here. Let me show you the vast grand canyon of my love and care and provision for you. Come over here and let me introduce you to my care for you. He says, the Lord is the everlasting God. I'm going to start with, I have no beginning and no end. That's God's introduction to himself. The Lord is the everlasting God. This is who I am. I am absolutely a God with no beginning and no end. The creator of the ends of the earth. I speak and this whole place exists. Like I am telling you, my presence holds it in place. I am over all things physical. That's who I am. You are talking to the one who is eternal. You are talking to the one who is all powerful. He does not faint or grow weary. Man, your God never sleeps. Have you ever had a moment where you... Thought that God was maybe taking a nap while you were praying because there was no answer coming. Your God does not get weary. He does not faint. He does not sleep. He is not slumbering. He isn't missing out on what's going on. In fact, the next statement, his understanding is unsearchable. Your God knows you. Your God knows your hurt. He knows your heartache. And he is longing and hurting and crying out for you as well. Your God's knowledge is unbelievable. He knows all. And uh, everybody say, all. Yeah, don't miss that, all. He is all-powerful and all-knowing and all time is under him. There never was a time that didn't exist. All exists with our God and he is all love as well. He is this awesome God who cares for us. So here comes his love. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. They were accusing God of not being there in the midst of his rights. And God's like, no, in the midst of your struggle, I've been leaning in with you. In the midst of your hurt, I've been making statement alongside of you as I give you strength. I've been giving you the strength to keep you going. That's who's with you and by your side. It says, even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. And... Um, He's saying, I know a lot of you think that the youth have a lot of energy and they can hold up a lot better than those of us who are older, but I'm just telling you, even the regular strength you would expect of a strong young person, that doesn't get it done. They're getting beaten down by the struggle. However, yeah, even the young people are getting beaten down with the struggle and the energy. It says, but, everybody say, but, say it louder, say it bigger. Everybody say, but, just so we're clear. When God is talking and he says that word, he's got an amazing contradiction coming and he's gonna blow us away. It's like the word behold at some levels. Check this out. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Man, I'm telling you, as you hurt in the midst, here is that word, wait, yet again. In the middle of our hurts, in the middle of our struggle, hope comes in the waiting. And um, i talked to a number of people about waiting over these past couple weeks, and it can be frustrating to wait. In fact, doesn't it feel often when you're waiting like you're doing nothing? Right? How often when we're waiting, we're like, this is it? I just sit here and do nothing. And, and the answer to that is no. And so I was talking with my wife a couple days ago. We were on a walk, trying to do some walks every morning together, and and. Um, You know, she said she had read an acronym on the word wait. And so here's the acronym. I'm just going to share it out with you. Uh, The W in wait. It stands for watch. Watch your God work. Keep your eyes peeled. It's like the first point of the sermon today. See your God, creator God, and see him in charge. Watch. And then the next one, ask Ask your God to take your heart of hurting. Ask your God to hear your burdens and your crying out. Ask your God to be right here with you and make his presence known. Ask. Notice that I didn't say ask God to just take it all away and make it comfortable. That's not wrong to say, Lord, I would love for this to be done, but your will be done. Ask. Watch, ask, and I invite Invite the very presence of God into your world. May he rock your world with who he is. May you stand on the grand canyon edge of the vastness of your God and be blown away with him. May your worship go on fire. Invite him to blow you away with who he is, no matter what the circumstances. Watch, ask, invite, and then T, trust. Trust as you lean on the one who knows all the one who can do all, and the one who cares with all he's got. The triangle of trust. He knows all, he can do all, and he cares with all he's got. Wait on that God. And that is a serious call to action. It's just not an action that's changing the circumstance. It's an action that's inviting your God into the middle of the circumstance. May God do all the work. It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. An unbelievable, majestic moment as you see the eagle flying out over. Wings spread in a coast up high on those uh, air waves that are blowing around. Just an amazing view. He's like, yeah, you're going to mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. This is a supernatural work being done. When you can run and not grow weary, dude, I run about three houses and I'm weary, right? You can run and not grow weary. This is a supernatural moment of God pouring into your life and being able to keep you strong in the midst of the waves constantly pounding on weight on your God. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They literally are finding a supernatural moment spiritual strength that is giving them a fortitude they never had, an insight they never had, a hope they never had, and that strength heals. In the midst of our weakness, may we look to our God, may we long for our God to do a work, and may we long for him to strengthen us in ways unimaginable. And in this broken world, may we take that hope of that God to our friends, to our neighbors, and be able to share out the hope and the healing that comes from the reconciliation to the God of love and the God of justice and the God of righteousness. And may we long to see change both in my own heart and in our country. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Let's pray.